back on. Good morning, church. All right, it's good to be back with you. Let me, let me say, we have just finished the Lord's Supper, and I, I, I prayed this morning. I said two things that I think we can incorporate in our prayer as we're finishing up our thoughts. One, thank you, God. Thank you, God. The next one is, did you tell Jesus you love him? Oh, I love him so much for what he did on Calvary's tree. Yeah. Uh, guys, I have enjoyed this series in Colossians. No, we're not finished. We have two more messages after this one. But uh, so far, we've looked at that Christ has made us new men and new women in him. In that, we now experience new relationships between husband and wife, between mom and dad and the kids, and uh, between employer and employee relationships. But I especially liked chapter 1 when we talked about the supremacy of Christ, talking about Jesus. I really enjoyed bringing that message. Now, uh, at the end of the letter, he brings his final instructions for the church. So, we are in chapter 4, and you can go ahead and turn to chapter 4. Now, Paul is not writing from the white, sandy beaches uh, out from a uh, Ritz-Carlton hotel uh, under a, a beach umbrella. He happens to be in prison when he writes this letter. Yes, he's in prison, which means he's chained to a Roman guard somewhere in Italy. And so this means that he has lost his privileges. He doesn't go where he wants to go. He doesn't travel with whom he would like to travel. He does not even eat what he would like to eat because he is a prisoner for sharing what Jesus Christ has done in his life. And he got in big trouble for that. So we've turned over to the scriptures And I'm going to join you there in Colossians. Uh, That is a tiny little book for a new student to find. So if you can get to Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, boom. There's your Colossians. And go to the last uh, chapter of that, chapter 4, and I want to read 2 through 5. 2 through 5. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom with, toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. And I pray that for this ministry as well. And I want you to pray that for me. I want you to pray that for one another. How? In that we would pray to God that doors would open up for the opportunity to teach more clearly the message. That's that's called evangelism. That's, That's what he's called us to do. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And so why not pray about that? You feel weak in that area? Well, don't we all? And therefore, pray. And that's what he's asked for. And so we pray. And so why don't we, why don't we pray right now? Heavenly Father, I pray in thanksgiving for the ministry that you brought Deb and I to. Father, yesterday was a busy day with the church cleanup and then going out with the teenagers and help painting in that uh, food pantry ministry and then to come back and have a Bible study. And yet, God, I celebrate in this prayer that all my Christian brothers and sisters and friends would hear that I came home and told Deb 
boy, it felt great. I'm happy. And I praise you, dear God, for this. But Lord, I pray a special prayer right now for these, my brothers. And as they pray right now for me, that doors would open, that opportunities would come, that people would confess the name of your son, and that they would be baptized into you and into your son and to the Holy Spirit. I pray in thanksgiving for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, Paul reminds us to be great prayers, prayers. And so we pray perceptively. We pray with purpose. We pray for God to move in our life. And you know, uh, he prays also for us to be alert and watchful in prayer. And you know what? Sometimes we don't pray with uh, alertness, do we? Sometimes we kind of coast or sometimes we even slide. I'm speaking from experience. All of us, all of us have been guilty in that. But we need to perk up our prayer life. But listen, we aren't the only ones. There was a time in the scriptures when even, when even Jesus' own disciples felt the way you and I feel. And they asked the Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. You remember that? Now listen, let's go to that slide. The, uh, the um, I, I thought that I had typed out that scripture. Let me turn to, I didn't type it out. My dear, I'm embarrassed. I'm going to Luke chapter 11 uh, about this. You, you will find the fuller account in Matthew chapter 6. I'm using the brief account, and here it is. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's the abbreviated account. The fuller accounts, Matthew 6, as I said. Now get this. These men that asked Jesus, teach us to pray. They were Jews. What's that mean? It means they grew up in synagogue. They didn't have public school system. They were taught the Torah. They were taught the Old Testament scriptures. That was their textbook. You would think the Jews knew how to pray. Well, most of them did, I guess. But the disciples, they wanted to pray passionately like they witnessed Jesus praying passionately. Lord, teach us to pray. They had been to temple all their life. They had been to synagogue all their life. Prayer is talking, isn't it, with God? Isn't it communication? Isn't it just relaxing and just sharing your heart, knowing you know full well he's listening? Prayer is talking. And the disciples witnessed the quality and the quantity with which Jesus prayed, and they said, I want some of that. Teach me that. <clears throat> this was a real breakthrough for them to realize there's power in prayer. And it's going to be a real breakthrough for us this morning when we walk out of here saying, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to learn to pray. Y'all say that top line right now. I'm going to pray. Lord, teach us to pray this morning. And so it's going to be a breakthrough. Number one, if we want to learn to pray more effectively, uh, we're going to have to say, I'm going to pray and mean it. And sometimes, 
Sometimes we pray, and doesn't it seem like sometimes he doesn't answer our prayer? You know what? I, I think he answers it. We didn't get the answer we were looking for, and therefore we think that God didn't answer. Does that make sense? Let me tell you something. When you go and get the remote and you're propped up in your little recliner there, oh, you've got the big recliner. I understand. You're on the sofa and you're clicking on and and the screen stays black. And you shout out to somebody in the house, Comcast went out of business. You don't say that. You don't say Comcast went out of business. Nobody told me. No, you check the batteries in the remote. You check to see if the TV's plugged up. You check the cable connection to make sure it's tight. There's all kinds of things because we never think Comcast went out of business overnight and nobody told me. We think there's something on our end, and I'm telling you, that's how it is with our prayer life. <laughs> God didn't go out of business. Or much worse, I knew it. There's no such thing as Comcast. I knew it. There's no such thing as God. We don't feel that way. You know and I know it's on our end. I would check the connections. I would check the connections in my life, and I would think, okay, Lord, you're trying to get my attention here. You're not answering my prayer, so what's going on? And you might want to check out your holiness and your purity. You might want to check out how you're praying one thing, but you're living another. And it may be that we're only calling on God when we need something, like God is a Santa Claus. Is that me or you? (laughs) Okay, so first of all, lasting prayer has to be a balanced prayer life, a balanced prayer life. You know it's not all give me, give me, give me, give me. You know it's not all, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Try saying that four times fast. You know that it's not all thanksgiving. It's a balance. And it it also includes praising God. Anyone here uh, hate being complimented? Uh, We would rather have people say good things about us than bad things, wouldn't we? Can you say anything good about God? Who Who is more creative than God? No one. Who is more merciful than God? Who is more powerful than God? Who is better organized than God? Who's a better long-range planner than God? Who's more compassionate than God? Whose lifestyle is more attractive than God's? No one, no one. Compliment him in prayer, and he loves the praises of his people. He lavish him, lavish him the praise. <clears throat> it, it's a balanced prayer life. And then secondly, we need to thank him. Uh, I'm glad that uh, God didn't set, uh, wind up the earth like it's a, a clock. And then he just placed it out in space and left and went uh, a couple of hundred galaxies over to go over there and create something. No, he stayed right here with us, and the earth continues to spin as it goes around the sun. And the moon continues to go around the earth as the earth continues to spin as it continues to go around the sun. It does, it's done that since the beginning of creation. It'll do it until he stops it. And God cares about every prayer you pray. 
while the earth continues to spin. Every prayer you pray, dear Lord, I hope this light turns green. I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> he cares about every prayer you pray. May he answer that one. Okay, we need to thank him. Parents, you would fall over dead if your child said, Mom, thanks for everything you do for me. And it's not Mother's Day. But it just became Mother's Day, didn't it? Or how many young people would fall over dead if the parents said, report card time. You know what? I'm so glad you made that be. It shows hard work on your part, and I'm really glad. Thank you for working that hard. Man, oh man, parents, what you can do to celebrate in your child's life over a B because you know they're a C student. You know they struggle at test time. You know that they struggle at studying. And so, celebrate that and watch them fall over dead. <laughs> Just kidding about the dead part. Okay, so in the Old Testament, God's people did not thank him. Oh, sure, you read the Psalms, Thanksgiving. You see prayers where there was Thanksgiving from prophets and a king here and there. But for the most part, the Israelites were always in trouble. Listen, when you're not thanking God, there may be an issue of ingratitude in your life. Get that cleaned up and be grateful for what God is practicing in your life. Thirdly, we need to confess. We need to confess. We need to take God's all-knowing nature seriously. He's all-knowing. And take it seriously and confess your sins to him. And that means you admit that he was right and you were wrong. Confess. Because he said what you're practicing, he said it was wrong all along, and we just go, no, it's not. You're listening more to the world than you're listening to Jesus Christ. And it's wrong, and when we confess, we're saying, I agree with you, Lord. It is wrong, and, and I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And so we confess, Lord, the booze has got a hold of my life. The bottle, the alcohol has got a hold of my life. I don't like it. Lord, I'm hooked on pornography, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm, I'm ridden with guilt. I want out of it. Lord, I'm, I'm wasting my money, and I'm ruining my witness. I'm in trouble, Father. I should have never gambled the first time. Should have never done it. Lord, I don't treat my spouse properly. Lord God, forgive me. And the remedy is the next text is 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, confess. Give him the secrets of your heart and confess. We need to confess our failures. We need to pray for others. Lord, help that young adult. I just noticed they're not the same. Something's wrong. Lord, Meet that financial need. They said they're struggling. Lord, help that teenager to see that you're not old-fashioned and out of date and that you love them. This way, we can have a, prayer, a balanced prayer life. But secondly, today, we also want to pray in the name of Jesus. Now, listen, don't miss this one. Because you're thinking, well, everybody knows that. And I tell you, everybody does not know that. 
There are so many places I go in, in assemblies and other places, and uh, they say a prayer, and they say amen, as if they were Jewish. We're not Jewish. We're Christian. And we pray in the name of Jesus, and so say that, thinking it through, we're not saying it as a, as a password, or the prayer won't get up if you don't say in Jesus' name. It's not a password. It's your thinking through. And what it's saying is, in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, I'm praying in your will. I pray expectantly that it's going to take place because it is your will. And God, I sure hope you see it the same way. I pray in the power and authority of Jesus, your son. And I think this is so important. I, I go to funerals and I hear uh, people pray, and, and, and they don't say in Jesus' name. They just say, amen. <clears throat> Christians, not praying in the power of the name Jesus. So what does it mean to pray the name of Jesus? Um, you know what? You can be praying even in the name of Jesus in repetition, and you're not even thinking about what you're saying and meaning by saying in the name of Jesus, and therefore, it's a vain repetition. Why? Praying in the name of Jesus can't be vain repetition. It can be if you're not thinking about it. It can be if you're just rattling it off because you were taught that as a child. In Jesus' name, amen. And you don't even know what you just said. You're not paying attention. you got to pay attention. How are you praying? Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Uh, I know it's on the screen, but if you'd like to turn in your word as well. Uh, I'm turning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, 5 and 6, where it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will what? All right. You're going out to the street corners and praying long, lavish, maybe throwing in some big words once in a while. Nothing wrong with big words. But if you're doing that to be seen by men, you just got your reward. Man saw you and they said, man, he prays a big prayer. Man, he prays a good prayer. Man, he uses big words in his prayer. You got your reward. That's all you're going to get. But you pray silently to the Father in the name of Jesus, and he's going to reward you for doing that in secret and not bragging about it. Now, we need to pray, and not as the hypocrites to be seen. We need to pray, but not repetitiously to be heard. Have you ever, have you ever heard a communion prayer, and uh, they really they're praying repetitiously when they start praying for the soldiers overseas? That's praying repetitiously. This is communion. We're not praying for the soldiers. You pray for the soldiers in the general morning prayer. You, you can pray for the soldiers in another prayer in the assembly. We pray for our soldiers, by the way. But communion, you're to pray for the communion. You're to pray for the, pray for the person that's receiving the communion. We're to pray thanking God for the bread, his body, and the cup, his blood. Stick to that prayer. And so when we pray repetitiously, we'll, we'll be praying for the offering, and then we jump over to, Lord, we thank you for the Sunday school. And No, pray for the offering. That's what you've been called upon to pray for. 
Stick with what you're praying for. If you're praying for everything in the book, you're praying repetitiously because that's what you've always done. That's your prayer. And we don't want to pray repetitiously. Let me give you some Christian language we say. And, and it's good language. I'm not putting it down. Go ahead and keep praying it as long as you mean it when you say it. Because if you're not meaning it and it's just Christian, Christian language, it's vain repetition. And here's one, bless me as I come in and go out. Well, that's good. That's a good prayer, but mean it when you say it. Mean it when you pray it, bless the gift and the giver. That's a, that's a good prayer, but mean it when you say it. Don't say it out of because you've prayed that all your life, or that would make a good public congregation prayer. Just mean it when you say it. Or watch, God and direct. See, those are, those are good words. Watch over us, guide us as we go, direct us, Father. Those are good prayers. All I'm asking is, it's vain repetition if you don't mean it. If they're just phrases we throw out, mean it when you say it. And so, ask, am I in a pattern or is this what I really wanted to say to God? Because if it's really what you wanted to say to God, that's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. And the, bring, and the reason I bring this up is so that uh, we can be praying repetitiously in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in uh, John 14, turn with me there. <clears throat> John 14, 13 and 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, you may be a new student in the Word, and you're going, well, I prayed for that. And you name some outlandish, expensive car you have no business pursuing. And I prayed for that. I didn't get it. I prayed in Jesus' name. See, I threw out the secret password. He had to answer it. No, he doesn't work that way. You have to pray his will to be done. But the beautiful thing is, listen, it means that you come through Jesus. Verse 6, you come through Jesus. It means that we make a request in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And this is it. I anticipate his will will be done. I pray in his name expecting God to follow through. It means, Lord, I've weighed this out. I believe this is consistent with your will. I believe you can answer this in the name of Jesus by his power and authority, and I ask you to grant this for your good will. For your good will. And if it's God's will, you, it, you said it was, but if it really is Jesus' name, Jesus said he's going to do it. Keep praying, keep praying, but it's got to be his will. And this isn't new to us. You parents have been practicing this all along. Your child comes in and asks you for something, and, and you said, you didn't even think about it. You already knew it was no. Am I right? And so you say, no, and they stomp their feet off, and they're, they're going out the room, or maybe they stand and challenge you because they want it to be your will. And you say, you know what? You don't need that. Oh, yes, I do. Everybody's got one. And so there's the battle. You don't need it. It's too expensive. You know, you know the routine. 
You don't need it. It's too expensive. And uh, it'll take me all day to go looking for that in the stores. Oh, no, it's on Amazon. You're not getting that. And God is the same way. Our hearts, my heart gets out of line. I guess yours does too. And sometimes I ask for things. Now, listen, I, I'm a little bit different than some folks. And, and, and that is because you'll hear most folks say, well, God only gives you what you need. Uh, I, I disagree. There have been some things that, that I prayed for, and I was blessed with it. And, uh, and, and, and uh, it wasn't against God's will to have it. And I, I, once in a while, I'll throw in a prayer like that. And maybe you do too. But I'm just telling us, pray in the name of Jesus for God's will to be done. Now, number three today, the last one is physical posture also reflects attitude. Physical posture reflects attitude. Do you pray with your eyes open or closed? If I'm driving a car, my eyes are open. <laughs> Do you pray standing or kneeling? I'm up here, I'd probably stand, but sometimes I've knelt down around the pulpit and prayed. Sure. Do you pray with your head bowed or, or uh, with uh, looking up? Doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't really matter. Uh, I love this cute poem. Have you heard the poem about uh, uh, Cyrus Brown, the prayer of Cyrus Brown? It goes like this. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keyes, and the only proper attitude is down upon your knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said the Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and rapturous upturned eyes. No, 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 said Elder Snow. Such praying is too proud. A man should pray with his eyes fast closed and his head contritely bowed. Well, now, it seems to me that his hands should be devoutly clasped in front with both thumbs pointing to the ground, said the Reverend Dr. Blunt. Last year, I fell in Hopkins' well. Head first, said Cyrus Brown with both the heels a-sticking up and my head a-pointing down. I said a prayer right then and there, best prayer I ever said. The prayingest prayer I ever prayed, I was a-standing on my head. <laughs> All postures are found in Scripture, except for that last one about on your, standing on your head. They stood up, they sat down, they laid down, they knelt down. You'll find all postures. I think, I think uh, it reflects your heart. At home, we read our Bibles in a chair on the sofa. We say our prayers there. But when you're brokenhearted and you're desperate, you might find yourself on your knees with your upper body thrown over the bed because your heart reflects attitude, your, uh, your posture as well. And so uh, sometimes we, uh, we lay down or we kneel down, but sometimes we even raise our hands. Sometimes there is such, there is such glory in this. There is, there is such power in this, and you just, you just thank him, and you just raise your hands, and some do that at home. Some do that uh, here in worship as well. On a beautiful, clear, crisp morning, walking, you can't help. You look up into the beauty of this cold, crisp, clear morning and just thank God. Or a winter's cold night, 
and all the stars are just bursting in your sight, and you just want to pray. You just stop in the cold, and, and you just thank God because of the awe of it. And when we pray for our church family and, and we know that they're real sick, we pray for God's sustaining grace to be in their lives. And it's so good to see Carol Gray out of the hospital and here today. Those kind of prayers, Carol, were prayed on your behalf. And now today we're praying for Dustin Martikaitis, who may be coming home from the hospital today, possibly. Uh, pray for Dustin. And uh, God bless him uh, today. And so sometimes when we praise God, we just lift our hands to God in an act of submission and an act that says, I'm all yours. But you know <clears throat> what I think about this? I believe that it's a human reaction when little kids, uh, their mom or dad comes in the room and they put up their arms. What do they want? Somebody, they want them to be, they want to be picked up. When grandparents come in, they, they come running, they grab your legs, they put up their arms. What? They want to be held. And sometimes we want to be held by God. And sometimes we raise our hands like that. Uh, in days of old, two men would greet each other, and they'd raise their hands because I have no weapons. I am not a threat to you. I will not harm you. And the idea of shaking hands is I have no weapon to cause you harm. And raising hands to God is an act of total submission like the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She reached through the crowd around someone's legs and touched his hem. She reached out, and sometimes in desperation, we reach out and we say, God, I need you. And sometimes we just celebrate something we're singing about the blood of Jesus, and it's so powerful in our mind and what Jesus did for us, and you can't help but celebrate that thought. And then in Colossians 4, I want to get back to the text and get ready to close, <clears throat> verses 2 and 3, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Wow. So after today, we are going for it. I'm serious, you're saying. I'm going to do it. I, this is going to be part of my life, and I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to pray in all kinds of postures back at the house in my, the privacy of my bedroom or the privacy of my living room. I'm serious, and so it starts out like this. I'm going to get up, and I, I'm going to pray, and the kids come in. I'm hungry. Mom, what am I going to wear to school? And you say, oh, Lord, right after I get the kids to school, I'm going to pray. And a neighbor calls and takes up your time, and you say, right after lunch, God, I'm going to pray. And shopping has to be done, and the house has to be cleaned, and oh, Lord, right after dinner tonight, I'm going to pray. And oh, well, we're tired, exhausted. We may as well watch TV together to spend some time with the kids. And oh, Lord, right after I get these kids to bed, I'm going to pray. And so you finally lay down in bed and <laughs> feel so good, and you say, dear Lord, and the next thing you hear is the alarm clock. That's prayer life a lot of times, isn't it? We have to pray. <clears throat> I love scheduled times of prayer. I'm a morning person, so I'm doing this in the early morning. 
You may be a late night person. I wish you would repent and stop that. But you may be a late night person. All you got to do is grab the remote. The TV is not your God. The TV doesn't need to have that much power over you. Turn it off and go read a scripture and start praying to God. You've got all the time in the world. Then fall asleep. Do that. <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you another type of prayer. It's when you pray without ceasing. Paul talked about in Thessalonians. It's an all-day attentiveness to the presence of God in your life. And so the prayers just come out throughout the day. And they're not scheduled. It's just you saw something and you just go, wow. Wow. You can even say it backwards. Wow. And you say that in prayer. God understands. He has an interpreter, the Holy Spirit. And just, wow. And, you, and I said it all, brother. And so you do that. An all-day attentiveness to the presence of God. I want to finish with this poem. A minister passing through his church in the middle of the day decided to pause by the altar and see who had come to pray. Just then, the back door opened. A man came down the aisle. The minister frowned as he saw the man hasn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby. His coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt. He bowed his head. Then he arose and walked away. In the days that followed, each noontime came this chap. Each time he knelt just for a moment, lunch pail in his lap. Well, the minister's suspicion grew with robbery, his main fear. He decided to stop the man and asked him, what are you doing here? The old man said he worked down the road. Lunch was a half an hour. Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding strength and power. I stay only moments, see, because the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, well, this is kind of what I say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know how much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Jim. I'm just checking in today. The minister, feeling foolish, told Jim that was fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray anytime. Time to go, Jim smiled said thanks. He hurried to the door. The minister knelt at the altar. He had never done that before. His cold heart melted, warmed with love, and met with Jesus there. As the tears flowed in his heart, he repeated old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. I don't know how much, how often, or how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is me checking in today. Past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim hadn't come. As more days passed without Jim, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him, learning he was ill. The hospital staff was worried, uh, but he had given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them brought changes in the ward. His smiles, a joy contagious, changed people was his 
reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad when no flowers, no calls, no cards came. Not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. No friends came to show they cared. He had nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up with a winsome smile. The nurse is wrong. She didn't know that here and all the while, every day at noon he's here, a dear friend of mine, you see. He sits right down, takes my hand, and he leans over and says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I've been since we found this friendship and I took away your sin. Always love to hear you pray. I think about you each day. So, Jim, this is Jesus checking in today. We can pray. We can pray. If you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, whether to live more fully for him, or maybe to give your life to Christ if you have not, you, you've never been baptized into Jesus, you may have never actually said the words, I'm going to give you everything I've got. You may have prayed that, I'm sorry, Lord, I forgive me of my sins, but I'm yours, Lord, with everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not. I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. You want to come? You come as we get ready to sing, but let's pray first. Lord God in heaven, I celebrate what you're trying to do in our life you're trying to quicken our spirit, aliven our soul, if we would learn to pray. Lord God, I ask, I ask for your church, your congregation, to be an army of prayer soldiers, prayer warriors. I thank you, dear God, for our prayer warrior team. Bless them. I pray for a new generation, a young generation, to come up and take up the mantle of prayer. And I ask blessings in this, Lord. Lord, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.